0: All right, guys, welcome along to today's podcast of the Distinguished Entrepreneur. Today, we have Luca all the way from Toronto, Canada. Luca, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us all about who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, I'm Luca. Um, I... I guess most recently I've been doing, um, a lot of brand storytelling stuff. So, um, helping with, uh, brands sort of communicate their message, um, you know, get more customers through using storytelling, brand building techniques. Um, I was a Facebook advertiser for about five years, still run some Facebook ads now. Um, but that's kind of how I got started in digital. And then, um, you know, over time I just started to realize that, you know, the, ads were only as strong as the creative the creative was only as really strong as the message and uh so now i'm here doing this stuff and making videos for and making creative for it too i kind of do that that full gambit
0: okay so it's a full stack service that you're offering your clients at the minute
1: yeah i would say it's like you know doing the creative so specifically if they want like more brand stories. So, there's obviously tons of different kinds of creative. Like, we mainly specialize in story driven stuff, which is like, you know, when you see Nike commercials and it's just like not talking about the product, it's just people kind of like running around in the vibe. So, focus on that. And then we also could run the creative to, you know, distribution. So, it's like Facebook or Instagram or, you know, potentially even a YouTube distribution. All in the means of, you know, more customers, more exposure, more profitability, higher margins, things like that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's always the end goal. And I feel that coming from a similar background to you, Luca, is a lot of marketers and advertisers out there today. They're so focused on the platforms, the Facebook ads, the Instagram ads, and they, they don't spend enough time on the message, the content, Mm -hmm. the story. And if that falls short, no matter how much money you're spending on ads or, 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 or campaigns, you're just not going to see the return for, from it. So it's interesting. That's something I always preach as well as the message. And in your case, you kind of, you position that as the story. So we met initially back in probably 2016,
1: something like that. Yeah.
0: Inside of a Thai uh, Lopez, <laughs> social media marketing age. That feels like a lifetime ago.
1: Luke, I it? know it really does. It really does. It was such a interesting time in digital and in the space and, I think it was, yeah, it was a big sort of moment in the space and ushered in a lot of people. I was already kind of in it a little bit, but I wasn't as full on in it. I actually already had a, I had a job right before I got Ty Lopez's thing. And I had just left my nine to five job. And I was like, I was already doing Facebook ads and e-commerce. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this going to try to do this like full time.
0: So did you get a job doing marketing or did you start that when you went out on your own?
1: I started when I went on my own. Yeah. I was just doing, I was super into the whole like t-shirt selling online Facebook thing. And that's where I was kind of practicing my ads with the money that I had from my job. Um, And then, then I when when that was launched and it was like this whole social media marketing agency thing, I was like, I feel like that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah. Ty sold out pretty well.
1: Yeah, that was great. And i have been following Ty already for a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think the SMMA was what well, I don't think that was the first program I bought from Ty. He had a 60,
1: I don't, 67 uh, steps. Yeah,
0: that's still, I still think that's probably his best. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so like, like most marketers, you probably practiced on your own startups or ideas before going out and actually getting the client getting clients. It's good for building up that confidence and just learning how to actually use. Even I remember the first time I went into Facebook's business manager, the ad account. It was overwhelming.
1: Oh, it's so complicated. Yeah, it's such a thing. You have to be so in it all the time to really understand it, and it does take like a good amount of practice. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I have similar stories. I, I started off doing dropship, and I remember I sold a fidget spinner. Remember they, the the crazy yep. fidget spinners? Sold one fidget spinner. I think it was for seventy five cent, but I spent maybe two hundred quid on ads. For that. Wow.
1: <laughs> and you were selling it for 75 cents.
0: Yeah. I, I had no idea what I was doing, but I made no <laughs> first online money. I was so shocked. I lost nice. on it. But just to see that sale come in was magical. It was like, yeah. even though it was at a loss, so much, so many hours, so much time went into it to see that sale come true. It was like, this, this shit works. This could happen. Yeah. I can actually sell something online. Um, what, what made you pivot then from selling products, t-shirts and that type of stuff? through Facebook ads to the agency, was it purely Ty's influence that kind of resonated with you? And why, why did you stick with that one then after? Why did you stick with that business model?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, when I was in Ty's course, you know, he goes, he went through so many things, right. And Facebook ads was a part of it, but he really talked about the whole breadth of the, you know, starting a business. What is social media, what social media marketing, all the different services you could offer. A lot of people were trying to do, Like everything that he spoke about within their one agency, which is quite a challenge. Um, And then I quickly found that, like inside the group, people were just asking all these questions about ads, like stuff that I already knew about. Like he had basically skipped over, not intentionally skipped over, but there's just so much more detail that when people were asking questions, they were like, wait, how do I do this? How do I add multiple ad accounts to my, uh, business manager? You know, how do I target? Like a lot of that stuff wasn't really spoke about, but I was already doing Facebook ads. So I kind of took on a little bit of a, Oh, okay, cool. I could kind of get better at this and kind of carve out a little bit of a space for myself within Facebook ads. Um, and that's kind of how that started. And then I became like, I guess, yeah, I would call it like a Facebook ads guy. That's how I identified myself. I was still doing creative on the side because I'm a filmmaker too. I always wanted to be a director. So um, I, I get to do that stuff now. I'm actually going to go direct something for uh, Joe Malone, and, which is a brand, like a luxury brand. I'm going to do that in um, April. And, and so I, I still do... Anyway, I do that stuff too, but I really focused, I guess, the business on Facebook ads. Um, and then there were just so many things with it over time of why I pivoted away. So I won't say all of them, but one of the ones was that I found it became very commoditized and it was really hard for me to compete on value where, and so I was kind of forced to compete on price because there was so many more people in the space that um, people were just like, Oh, they're like, Oh, I could find a Facebook advertiser, you know, on Fiverr or something. Right. And so it, you know, it it's, that alone, I realized, okay, cool. I need to figure out a way to add some more skills to the pot, to myself as like an expert person, to myself as a business, um, to not have to feel like I have to be so tied to Facebook ads as my only deliverable. Also, when you're only doing Facebook ads, usually you're just given creative. So you never know if it's going to work all the time. Um, and also Facebook was changing their shit all the time. I, you know, things would just shut down or, um, you know, they would just move some rule around or like what we just saw with iOS 14. I saw all of that stuff going down in the Facebook groups. So I was like, damn, I'm, I'm super happy. This isn't the only thing that I'm up to right now because there's just, you're so at the whim of, of them. So I kind of wanted to transition to just being a more sort of strategic advertiser so that I could say, actually, maybe it's not Facebook ads that you need. Maybe it's Google. Maybe it's YouTube. Maybe it's, yeah.
0: That's really good. Yeah. It's like someone going to a doctor, but all the doctor knows is to prescribe them with one type of medicine, you know, and you can't, you cannot just pre- prescribe the same medicine medicine for different types of, of illnesses. It's the same with a the business. They may not benefit from Facebook ads. It could be YouTube ads. It could be something completely different. That's awesome. And that, uh, it reminds me only yesterday, mm. i seen an article maybe it was the day before that there's rumors going around that Facebook is going to be shutting down their Facebook platform and their Instagram platform across Europe, which interesting. is
1: interesting. Why?
0: Major. I don't know why you happen. I haven't read into it, which I should have done at this stage, but I'm going to, but um, if that happens, there's going to what be. What will you do? Factors. We won't yeah. be too bad because we were, we're slowly starting to kind of diversify, but the majority of what we do, that's our bread and butter is we're yeah. the Facebook ad specialists. And Facebook and Instagram, they're the same thing. They're pretty mm-hmm. much the same thing. Um, so we're going to have to expand that part of the agency out yeah, to YouTube and TikTok and stuff like that as well. But usually, in times when there's chaos like this, people get scared. People panic. Yeah. Me personally, I get excited. I'm like, right, this is a massive opportunity. Most people are going to are going to uh, flight, but we got to fight. This is our. This is where we got to see something new come into play. But uh, it goes back to what you were saying. It's always changing. Will this happen? I don't know. Do you think they'll actually drop their European platforms?
1: I don't know. I mean, I obviously know that they've got their hands in WhatsApp and they have a lot of other things too. And they're really moving forward in a variety of other ways. So, I mean, maybe the use, like the usability is just super low or I mean, I'm sure they'd have their reasons if they did do it, but it would seem like a major, it would be a major, a change, obviously. Obviously marketing will still exist. Digital marketing will still exist, all those things. But, um, yeah, that'd be very, uh, I'd be curious to see if that did happen.
0: Yeah, like seemingly it's to do with the GDPR regulations in Europe, mm-hmm. which is still, it's still quite new. Um, I would have thought that it would have been a huge revenue loss for the company, but I'd done a little bit of research. And seemingly only 15% of Facebook's revenue or Meta Meta's revenue is from mm-hmm. Europe. So that goes to show maybe maybe it could happen. Who knows? So any other marketers out there, any other agency owners that are based, In Europe, you're going to have to start thinking outside the box. doesn't mean that you can't still be based in Europe. You just got to start taking in clients in the States.
1: I mean, that is, I think, a big piece of it, right? Is the globalness of it. And I I think like, for instance, I personally, I'm working with a client right now. They only sell in Canada. It's not my favorite. That was what I just launched right at the last night. So I was just checking that before we got on this call. Um, And we did this cool creative for it. Um, Yeah, maybe I can show it to you. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the, the fact that they only sell in one country makes it tough because costs are higher. Also our population is it's affected by population. There's a lot of things. So I think that if you're using Facebook, especially it's almost better to be as global as possible. I think the reason they don't sell global has something to do with their shipping, but I think anytime you can be more global in this space, it's, it's a lot better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. So here's the million dollar question: marketing yes. in marketing in the metaverse, hmm.
1: it's
0: not going to be this time next year. It could be a three year thing, probably more like a ten year thing before it's actually in full swing. What do you see happening that in that regard? Obviously, going to
1: change. Such a good question. Um, obviously, we're still very you know we're early in it. Um, I think a, a few things. One the tried and true stuff will never change, you know um, good copywriting uh, brands that have great feeling attached and associated and a really solid understanding of what their customers want, both like externally, internally and philosophically Um, and then good brand identity that matches with that. I think those things metaverse or not, it's like need to be hit regardless. And then I think inside of I guess specifically I'll talk like about NFTs maybe for a second. Like,
0: yeah,
1: I think that there's a really good opportunity to use metaverse and kind of what's happening web three to create more entry points to your company, create more kind of community, more um, sort of tickets. You know, there's a lot of talk about like what ticketing and the way that ownership works with web three, Um, so yeah, I think that in the same way that when you buy Nike shoes, you're essentially buying a pass you're buying into a club. I think with NFTs and other things in web three, that will just continue to happen. It just won't be physical stuff. It'll just be more virtual stuff that has ownership on the blockchain. And then obviously we've got the whole crypto element of it too, right? of, of money kind of changing over, which is something we've both been in for a while as well. Like I'm not super, super active in it, but I, you know, I think I bought my first crypto back in 2017 and I've just kind of been holding it. I bought a little bit more, bought a couple NFTs when things were kind of popping. But other than that, I've kind of just been sitting back and sort of watching the space go up and down. Although I wish I bought some more right when Corona was going on, because like right at the beginning, because I looked at the numbers and they were so good and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, and then, I mean, I, I, but my, 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 uh, my promise to myself was that I wouldn't regret it. I wouldn't regret not buying more. So I don't.
0: Yeah. Plus it's something completely, completely new. So you have to be willing to lose whatever you put in because we don't really know. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite crypto? What, what crypto do you hold at the minute?
1: Well, I was very into, okay, well, obviously the Bitcoin you know, because it's like it, it, people always talk about being so bullish on it and all that stuff. It was actually Litecoin second. So I was super into Litecoin and things like Cardano bought a lot of that and then maybe have like three, two or three Litecoin. Um, but that does, hasn't moved actually that much. It's maybe gone between 70 bucks and 150 bucks over the last few years because they were talking about, okay, well, that's the silver of it. And then people were pushing on Ethereum, but now I should have obviously got more ethereum when i had the chance um because i but no one knew how significant it would be in web3 so i think the things like ethereum the things like solana the things that are being built not just the the currency factors but the blockchains that are building a lot of this infrastructure are probably where it's at i'm not really into like pump and dump sort of altcoins anymore i used to get really like if they were going i by be all i gotta move stuff around but it always ended up just screwing up so like i i think that i i'll let that game stay for other people and for me it's just like a hold game of probably the main ones which the bitcoins the ethereums and then some of the other ones that'll probably stay around for a little while
0: yeah you're focused on the long-term play you don't want that distracting you from the main thing which is running your business, growing your Yeah,
1: business. exactly. It's like of course there are tons of people making money and pump and dump, but like, you know, just like some people say, um, there's this old video actually by Sam Ovens that talks about like just the shiny object syndrome of entrepreneurship. And it reminds us that like it's not the niche, like we, especially when you're making trying to make a lot of money, like the it's not the crypto or Facebook ads or any of those things. It's your ability actually to stick to something and learn a lot about it. And, and how to increase your value in it over time that will ultimately make you the most money. And I would say money is, is a, a big value to me. So I, I try not to jump around too much, but
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. You could look at every industry. You could look at crypto, you can look at marketing, you can look at property, real estate, there's it's, people doing really good and there's people struggling. And it's exactly it's not because of the industry. It's because of the person, something I always preach is that the success of a business is directly proportionate to the caliber of the entrepreneur. And if you apply yourself to whatever it is that you make that decision, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're committed to, you yep. can make really it happen. Um, just to go back, Love you it. mentioned about NFTs. I don't know much about them. I've been watching from the sideline. I, w- I don't have the first clue how to even go about buying one or creating one. You said you, you you've bought some. I did. Have somebody completely new to this, like me or some of the guys that might be watching this. How do you go about buying? Like it's a platform on. Yeah,
1: there is. There's a few. Um, the main one though is called OpenSea, O P E N S E A dot com. Um, when I first saw, I, I had seen someone in my LinkedIn pop up, and they were like, "Oh, I've made all this money in NFTs and la la la." So I was like, "Yo, I need to just dive into this." So I, I I studied for quite a bit, and just it was a ton to learn. It's it's definitely not like people get is it past or like oh I got to jump in it now because it's going away. It's like we're so early on that because of the amount that you need to learn because not only do people you need crypto to buy it. So you already need to have set that up. You already need to understand wallets. You already need to understand addresses and all that stuff. And then you have to understand the elements of the NFT. Um, So basically for instance, so you could have Ethereum. Most NFTs are on the Ethereum network. You have Ethereum in your, let's say, Coinbase or something like that. You've got to move your Ethereum into a web through wallet, such as like a MetaMask, M-E-T-A-M-A-S-K wallet. Then you attach your MetaMask wallet to a platform like OpenSea. And then essentially you can buy on that market through bidding with the Money. One of the negatives or challenges of it is that there's something called gas fees, similar to like the mining fees that you would pay when you would buy crypto, and they can be really expensive because um, if there's a lot of people buying stuff at the same time on the network, it they go it can go high, and you'll end up paying like an extra hundred bucks, extra two hundred bucks to get something. So there's that piece of it where you just go on and OpenSea and or a uh, token trover. There's a few other ones, uh, ImmutableX platforms. But the real trick I've been finding, if you actually want to like make some money and also not lose money is you want to buy on what's called the mint. So the mint is when an NFT is first created on a website and uh, that let's say they, you, so you want to get in on a launch because if you're already buying on the open market, like OpenSea and all those things, it's already the pl- The pricing is usually already inflated. You'll never get it as cheap as when it starts. So one of the tricks or things that's going on in the space is like, how do you follow the space? How do people create enough hype around their NFTs so that people buy them as soon as they come out? Which is called like this mint. And so if you go to a website, it'll say, okay, we're gonna mint on this day, then you've got to wait at six o'clock, and then you've attached your wallet, you try to buy it. It's usually like 0. 0.7 or point, 0. 0.07 or, nets, or, 0. Seven or 0. 0.08 Ethereum and whatever that price is sitting on in the market, plus the gas fees, and then you have it, and then you can do a resell or you can hold it. I don't know, and those types of things. So that's kind of how if I yeah, if you were looking to get into it. I'd say yeah, you gotta buy the Ethereum and then find projects that you think other people will want. For instance, Ty Lopez is launching an NFT. Um, there's something called getting on a whitelist, which is basically where you get first come, first serve to it, but you have to do stuff to do that. Like, for instance, Ty, most of these things are run in Discord platforms, which are like chat platforms. It's like, you can get on the whitelist if you invite 10 people and you share it this and you share that. It's like, I don't really have time for any of that. So I never try and do whitelists at all. If anything, just the public sale. Yeah. Um, but Ty will come out with something and it'll probably be worth, they'll probably be worth. I mean, look at what happened with Gary V's launch. You know, he, wow. he's got V friends and like they're each one of those little drawings is like over a hundred K.
0: It's crazy it's crazy yeah. he was i've seen a, a podcast that he was doing recently and he was saying it's pretty much all of this with the nfts is like probably 1997 1998 of the internet it's that early yeah It's going to go so much faster it's going to evolve evolve so much faster than what the internet did in that stage so it's one yeah. of those things that it's confusing it can be overwhelming if you don't know about it but it is something worth spending as an entrepreneur as a business owner Spend a little time each week just so you understand the principles because you may not use it today, but it sure as hell is going to impact your business down the line. Might not be for 10 years,
1: but when exactly. that's
0: you're going to know what's going on.
1: And because I work with a lot of brands, it's like not all of them are thinking about this stuff, but like the larger ones are, you yeah. know, like the Hermes the Dior's the Burberry's. They've all done a little bit of this. Um, another thing I'm super, I think is going to be super fascinating is the whole NFT real estate space. Yes. You know, this yes. idea of like, you know, owning land, Marvel. whether it's exactly like, um, so I, I think we're going to see, we're just going to see a lot of interesting stuff. And I'm super fascinated by the relationship between money and value. <laughs> and obviously people could think, well, how could things be so expensive if they're virtual? But it makes perfect sense to me you know, because just so the way that we place money, the way like we will pay for stuff and prices will go up. If we think that something is worth something that's ultimately so, and I think that we really like scarcity. Yeah. And one thing that's super scarcity is NFTs because the idea is that they're one of ones basically.
0: Yeah. It's going to be like the whole idea that it's on the blockchain it's, it's, it's going to make everything so much more professionally done. Even, I don't know if you've, if you've purchased property before, but you probably know a lot of people who do property investing. And yeah. like that. It takes quite a long time. By the time you actually make the offer, it gets accepted and then it's in your name and you can use that property. Like that's, That timeline is going to be shortened down to probably yeah. like a matter of hours with NFTs, smart contracts for, for properties on the blockchain, the deeds. It's almost going to be instant you know, it's uh, going to be no need for all these uh, lawyers and solicitors and all these extra fees with all that sort of stuff. That's probably a chat for another day on, on NFT. Yeah. I'm
1: pumped for the medical side of it too, because it's like being able to have all of your medical history sort of like chronologized and accessible anywhere in the world by anybody. I mean, not by anybody, but ideally it's like the fact that if you go to a doctor and you're like, let's talk about something, they can't just, they're like, oh, do they, they don't know a lot of the stuff that's happened because it's all paper.
0: Yeah, true. It's going to be like one localized network, even if it is on, on different systems. Like it might have been yeah. a consultant in a different city or something, and you have to get that sent back over. It's time, it's going to speed up yeah. so much in every industry. It's exciting. It really is. Yeah, exciting. Definitely. All right, moving on from NFTs, just to touch back on what we spoke about already. So, Ty Lopez, at one stage, it it was almost like you were part of the Ty Lopez team when, when we were in that group. Like you were you were the guru for Facebook guys. Everybody took to you, you know. Um, and still to this day, even myself, I always reach out to. We've done a lot of work together, and it's it's been an awesome relationship that we've developed over the years. But um, it's been amazing Definitely. to see you grow and what you've been doing and how you've pivoted through the chaos because it really is chaos in the online marketing space. Um,
1: thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Something you, something you touched on earlier on was value-based pricing uh, in, in in opposed as opposed to competitive-based pricing maybe before we move on because i want to talk a little bit about mindset and, yeah. and things like that but before we move past the business end of things touch on that a little bit the difference between competitive-based pricing and value-based pricing and why people's mindset towards pricing and what they're offering can hold them back with the service yeah offer
1: yeah it's it's there's so many elements when it comes down to how you price stuff. And obviously some of it's your mindset. A lot of people get caught in what I pay for this, right? So you get, you're going to get too caught in. You ask yourself what I pay for this, for this price. The chances are you'll actually probably say no, because you can do it. Like it's not going to feel the same for you as it will for other people. So I find some people get caught in that trap. And then they'll also base it on how much money they have. So when you're first starting, that can be really challenging to think about pricing something at a thousand or two thousand or three thousand. If you don't even have that yourself, you're like, how could I ask for, you know, so getting past all that, I think is really important. Um, and then remembering that like the if your main job is to understand where the buyer is at and what they want. A lot of people would come to me because they wanted Facebook ads, right? That's what, like, but no one really wants Facebook ads. They want what they can get with Facebook ads, whether that's more money, more sales, you know, anything like that. Right. So, part of what I have to do is figure out, okay, well, what is that end game and then sell on that? But there is still a cap to that because, again, if they're coming to you for a specific service, services can't scale as much as other types of value transformation, right? So if it's if they were coming to me to just say, like, make me more money, then I say, okay, cool. Well, you should do that through Facebook ads. I could fundamentally charge more because if they're just looking for the face, if they think they're just looking for the Facebook ads, then they can go to anyone for the Facebook ads. They're like, this is too expensive. I'll just go find someone cheaper without understanding the other elements that go into it. So one thing that I had to get better at when I was raising prices with ads is, Helping them understand all the other elements that go into it. It's like, who's going to do, the, you know, what about the copywriting? What about the creative? Just adding a little bit more value to people so that they start to think, well, like, I don't want to go to other people. I don't want to just go to a Facebook advertiser. I want to go to someone that understands what I want, can help, that makes me feel like they can get me there. And is going to bring a little bit more than just that. So, you know, I, I started getting really into conversion optimization and and other things like that because when I would talk to people on the phone and they'd say, yeah, I'm running ads for the website, I'd say, okay, well, um, like how are you getting traffic now? And just asking those questions, how are you getting traffic now? What's your website converting at? You you know that if we just run Facebook ads to a website that isn't selling or is converting low, there's other things we need to do. So that starts to position you in another place in their minds, but also people are then willing to pay a little bit more and you don't have to compete so much on price because it's so tempting to always put, to put yourself. It's so tempting when they say that something's too much or that someone else will do it cheaper to want to say, okay, I'll do it cheaper too. But then what happens is you end up doing, it's going to take you the same amount of time to work with this person, that person. So you you end up doing yourself a disservice. Like when I was doing Facebook ads for 500 a month, it was really challenging because there's so much stuff to do. you got to set up pixels. There's, you're dealing with all this technical stuff. And, and anyway, so yeah, it's like, I I think part of, yeah, creating more value is that like just bringing more, uh, saying that you're offering more based on what they want and then not changing your price just because obviously if it's a friend or you're in a different situation, but like for the general people, if you're really trying to scale it up, it's better to work with less people for more money than to work with a lot of people for less money generally. Yeah. Especially from a profitability perspective.
0: 100%. 100%.
1: And my, a mind, mental perspective too. It's like, you don't want to be, I'm in a place right now where I'm like, I just don't want to be overly stressed out. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's just not enough money to really make me feel like, oh, I've got to be, uh, I don't want to feel like I'm like juggling all these things in the air. I'd rather, you know.
0: Yeah, you i get a stage where obviously you're still in the game to make money, but you've you've enough that you're looked after that you know that there's, there's better clients out there who will appreciate you, who will pay you the price that you deserve for the value that you provide to them. You don't need that bullshit in your life because what happens in that case is you end up you end up kind of resenting your business, resenting your clients. You're not giving them as going to a service. And that shines through in everything that you do.
1: Exactly. Like you're actually, if you're, especially if you want to make more money, you're better off with the people like really trying to focus on giving a great service and a great, customer result because that will always parlay into more money more than like monthly recurring rev or any of that stuff that we've been told to think that is way better for the business. Like, Oh, I've got to sell people on 12 months or we've got to work for this long, or it's got to every, this, the price is a thousand dollars a month. And uh, another big thing that I've done over the years, which has been helpful is stop saying by the month. So like I made that switch maybe a couple of years ago to just package bulk right there. Everything just bulk. Here's the rate. Service, yes. And then they can negotiate down. They can negotiate to pay in chunks. Yes. You know, and that's been really helpful because I think some people, the idea of having to pay every month can be like a mental deterrent. Mm-hmm. So if you just lay it all up front and you're just like, okay, it's $10,000. We work together for three months. It's their like, Okay.
0: Yeah. It's all about that positioning, strategic yeah. positioning, and, and that co- that comes to play with pricing. It comes to play with your market, uh, your marketing, your branding, your messaging, all about strategic positioning. You mentioned about sales and mindset there a minute ago, and it reminded me of a story last week where I'm due an upgrade on my phone. I have a bill phone, and I ran yes. off to get the new iPhone um, 13 Pro Max, the best of the best, big screen, all the, all the yep. storage, whatever I could get. And I got this guy in the phone. He had this fallen stock. He could have just went, "Yep, yeah, that's, I think it was like 900 and something euros. Uh, I would have done the deal there and then straight away, this guy <laughs> was like, hold on now. Do you know that if this, if you get the 13 and it's not the pro and it's not the max, you're going to save like 700 quid or 500 quid, whatever it was. I was like, dude, this is what I want. This is what I want to spend. because that's very expensive. And I, I stopped for a minute. I was like, this dude is trying to sell me on his perspective of the product. Mm. And he's obviously got a very different mindset. He doesn't realize that I don't mind paying 500 extra to get what I want, rather than saving 500 to get something I don't want. And this conversation went on for like 20 minutes. When it could do the deal, he gets more commission probably on a higher sale, but it's crazy. And I think that's something as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as we scale, we have to build systems. We have to systematize our entire business. then we have to hire in the right people. But if you're mm-hmm. just hiring, if you're only hiring in average people to manage good systems, you're not going to see that growth because if there's if, like a sales guy, if if his perspective, his mindset is limited or toxic or negative, whatever way you want to put it, oh. that's going to have a massive impact on major.
1: I'm dealing with that a little bit, actually on the, on the uh, production side of the business. It's um, you? yeah. It's like, you've really, just, you know, I, I like to kind of be the guy who's really in there always making the decisions, but you know, that's impossible. You got to cease a little bit of control, but it's hard when, you know, you're just not seeing it the way that you need to see it. And that's why I think it is so important to be rational or just to, to maintain some rationality and really think, not be afraid, I guess, not be afraid to move people around if necessary or let people go if necessary. In some cases, you can't let people go. There are those very s- s- slim cases, especially because like, I consult in a lot of businesses and there's a lot of families going on. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, it's challenging. You know, when there's a, if, when when families are working together and you're trying to figure out all these things, you can't just sometimes fire people. You can, but it's a little bit harder than just an average person. Um, but I, I do think, you do need to get to get the right people in the right positions who bring that right mentality. Yeah. Like, One, yeah.
0: That, that was my next question. So how important do you feel that your mindset or your attitude is when it comes to business and entrepreneurship?
1: Oh, it's like everything to the point where I, I always thought that I was crushing it with that, but you realize like you'll never be a hundred percent. You'll always have moments where you need to check yourself. I think what I call it is my recovery time, though. It's like, if I'm having certain thoughts that I know aren't helpful, how quickly do A, I recognize them? And B, do I start filling myself with other thoughts? Um, I read a great book last year called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, really helpful. Um, and yeah, it just talks about like the constant chatter that goes on in your mind and how to listen to it better and how to be more, you know, critical of what it's saying or just not believing all the things that it's saying. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think it's just, it's everything. It's like when you, when you wake up in the morning, I was even telling my, my partner too, like, cause she, she recently left her job, she's doing some more entrepreneurial stuff. And I was telling her like, you have to. What was I telling her just that like the life it's not life isn't written now of course I have my you know maybe it and I, I believe in a lot of different things but basically it's like don't get don't let your mind get caught up in this idea that like you know that you don't have choices or you don't have options or you can't just or you can't show up in a way that could literally change and affect your future. And sometimes because sometimes the brain says that it always wants to project into the future. It always wants to think it knows what's going to happen, but it doesn't really. Right. And so to kind of have that, that reminder to yourself, um, I was even talking to my other buddy yesterday, sometimes you're in a business for a long time or you're doing stuff for a long time. You start to think things like, oh, it's been so long. Like, why don't I have this yet? Or why isn't this together yet? Or why aren't I here yet? And like one of my coaches from this year told me like, as soon as you're there, you've already lost. So you just got to, every time you, you get into that place, because sometimes I do too, you got to switch it up, you know, and be like, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to just keep, I'm not giving up no matter how long it takes. I'm just, especially when you have big dreams and big goals, because the irony of that is that you write all the stuff down that you want and then you get it. And then you just have other things that you want. Yeah. Like I was for so long, I was like, I just you know, I want to make a movie. Like I want to go to Sundance, which is this big festival, and it's like I want to have a business. You know, I want over a hundred k in the bank. It's like I I, be, I have all those things, and it's like I still feel like I'm still trying. Yeah, and that makes me think that they might ma- that might never stop. And and I I think it's just coming to terms with that and figuring out how to how to deal with that.
0: That's your entrepreneurial mindset, Luca. You're never you're never, I don't think entrepreneurs are ever satisfied. I was to say it's... all I wanted a couple of years back, I wanted my own agency. I wanted over a hundred grand in the bank. I got all that stuff. I built up a team that literally I could no I, I don't have to work. I could take off the next six months, go on a holiday, and it still ticks over. I've got the sales and all that sort of stuff. But then got to that stage and I was I was depressed. Yeah. Is this is this what it's like to be here and <laughs> It's like you get to a certain level and it's just a 10X is where you want to go then. And it can yeah. be very tough because who you were before you started out your business in the first place is a very different person than Luca with 100K in the bank mm-hmm. and your own agency or Shane with 100K in the bank and his own agency. But then the next level up, it, it wasn't just about changing the external factors or the, the, the tactical stuff. The majority of the change is in here and how you think, and you have to surround yourself with people who are thinking differently, doing different things, and that brings me on to my next question is, yeah, environment. how important mm-hmm. do you feel your environment is to your success in business? Does it have yeah, even has much of an impact on your results, on your mindset, how much money's in the bank, and all that kind of stuff
1: It does drastically, like I think that your physical environment affects your emotional environment um I think that being, it took me a long time, but like getting to a place where I felt like I was super comfortable by myself. So you don't need like a lot of external relationships. That's been really helpful. And then I moved like a year ago and that was also really helpful Um, because sometimes you do need to switch it up. For me, I know that I need light. I like having a view and I like being in a place where I can just kind of zone out and be at the desk. It's one of the reasons why I don't really like having an office. I do technically have one, but I don't go to it. Um, because I mean, it's different. I know you're in yours, but it's like, you're by yourself. Mine has like some guy, other guys that I work with, like, you know, the photographers and things like that that are there. So I just feel like I, I I really like to minimize distraction. So I, that's why I think, yeah, like I, I, I think sometimes with offices too, like they're great because for socializing, but they're also kind of time wasters too for the people that are in them because they just end up chatting and all that stuff. Um, so I do think it's it's super key and, and creating more of like a sanctuary for yourself that really puts what you want and what you need at the ultimate forefront, which a lot of people aren't good at doing because we're so like thinking about other people or like, oh, this person called me up and now I got to go help them with this thing or I've, you know, got to do that thing. Not really thinking, okay, what do I need to just crush it? Because even if you're doing that, you still may not feel like you're crushing it hundred percent. So 80% is good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Often, oftentimes people think you have to add all this complexity. If you want to be more successful, I need an office. I need more of this, more of that. I actually got rid of my, this is the home office that I'm in. Oh, okay. dope. I got rid of the office. It was just, I was, I was nowhere near as productive. It was cool. It was grand for meeting people and stuff like that. But um, I found the same as you just get distracted talking with people in the canteen, having to commute, you know, Um, we're actually going to Dubai for a month in nice. Yeah. while we're out there. If we fit the vibe, if we like it, I think we will. Like we don't have kids or anything like that. So we can pretty easily just move out. Um, So we're going to scope that out when we're out there to see what it takes to get.
1: That's so dope. Yeah. You know who moved to Dubai? I don't know if you know him, but in the space, I'm in Gadzi. Can't say I know. He, yeah, he's a big agency owner guy and he recently moved to Dubai. So from the UK. Um, he's from the UK. Yeah. I
0: think I might know the guy. I think I actually yeah. seen him recently. That the name doesn't ring a bell, but I seen this guy who's documented that he moves recently.
1: Yeah. He's he's a very interesting case just in terms of the stuff that we were talking about too. Like I think he's, he said he hit like over ten million. He was like huge depression. You made a great video about it actually. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's just and cuz what what do you do you know you you're you're like fuck like am I ever gonna am I ever gonna feel what I'm looking for? Like actually like safe, good and and then you have to touch base with you know your spirituality I guess and really find that part of yourself that's like outside of the external, outside the money, outside of the accomplishments, outside of any of that stuff like can you just feel good? And I think that that's something entrepreneurs need a lot of.
0: Yeah. I think I think the the more you achieve, the more you have to really work on that because it's very easy to go out and drop money on holidays or go buy your favorite car. Like even for me, I remember I had a picture of a Range Rover Sport. Yes, the that's my car. Yeah.
1: And well, I don't uh, have it, but I love it.
0: Yeah, I got one, and it's it, it's awesome. I love it. It's it's probably my my favorite thing that I own. I don't have much material things, but like that buzz that you get from it, it doesn't last forever. It's exciting Mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks. And then you're back. You've got to, you just got to really, you really got to work on your mindset. It's nothing to do with money. It's nothing to do with material things. It's all inside here.
1: Um, Tell me about the sport though, just before you move on. Yeah. What is it actually like? Because I'm seriously debating it. I'm going to, but I, my other backup or the one that I'm also looking at is the uh, Audi Q8.
0: Uh, yeah, very nice as well. I, I drove one of those before. A friend of mine is actually, a cousin of mine is a, is a sales a sales rep in an Audi dealership. Yep. Audi dealership. They're cool, but uh, I don't know why you went for the range. He was picture was all it was on the wall. I would say go for it. Absolutely go for it. Um, I had the Vogue before that, the Range Rover. Okay, before, yep. And then we got the Sport and the Sport is just, man, amazing.
1: It's I the, love that.
0: Uh, it's the red badge one. So it has the higher brake horsepower. But you can bring it anywhere. It's the beauty of the sport. With the Vogues, it's like the suspension that has the air suspension in it. And you're going around the bends, you can feel it swaying mm-hmm. around. the really in a rush and you got to get somewhere. The Vogues not the baby for that. But um, get it. Go test drive one. You'll fall in love with it. It's the most versatile car that I've ever had.
1: I love that. How, how's the bra- any breakdowns yet or any reliability problems? None whatsoever. The first week we okay.
0: bought it, the, the garage, we bought it from a, a Land Rover garage, and they were only after putting in new brake calipers and brake discs all around it. And what happened was they forgot to put in a little clip. I drove it home. The next morning, went to get out and bring it out of the yard and the back brakes had seized. They had locked because oh. of that clip. When the handbrake went on, it didn't release. So we had to get the tow truck, the tow truck, bring it back.
1: Oh, you the yard, must have it. been so pissed.
0: But like, it's one of those things I remember I was saying, like friends, family members are going to get a Range Rover Sport. Like oh you're crazy! These things are always breaking down. They're so so hard on on diesel and all this type of thing. But look, if it's something you really want, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's that little bit more expensive. Because if it makes you, when I get go out in the morning, I get into the Range Rover Sport. It, it it reaffirms to me that I can make shit fucking happen. It's no longer That's just a picture want. on the wall. It's sitting in the yard. You know, it's an aff- It's an affirmation of what we can achieve. It reminds me that anything is possible because. I remember when I did not think it was possible to be able to evolve. Oh,
1: hundred um, percent. And one last question on it too. Um, what about the turning radius? How do you find that? Is it hard to park?
0: No, it's fine. It's, it's absolutely fine. I see the new Range Rover actually has the rear wheel. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, that could be uh, you're probably better off leaving that one off on for a while. I don't know, man. They haven't actually brought out the new sport yet, but they have the new Vogue out, but the steering yeah. is, is good. It's very good. Okay. The new one seemingly has the turning radius of uh, a mini. Do you know? I know
1: I mean? which the Audi Q8 has that same real rear wheel, real yeah. yeah. So I was debating, but I'm going to try them both. I I'm going to drive the them and see
0: in Dublin city centre. So Dublin, really old buildings, and all these multi-story car parks are crammed into these old buildings that really shouldn't be made for multi-story car parks. This thing flies around it. It's 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 the best vehicle i've ever had go test has drive on luga honest to god
1: okay i'm gonna okay you're
0: probably gonna drop a lot of money on it but
1: uh (laughs) i'll probably (laughs) lease it to be honest i'm i'm i i don't know about like i don't know i guess there's a time and place to buy a new car or even buy a used car but i don't know i probably i don't mind i guess you know spending 30 40k over a couple years and then having to change it up because i guess then you get a new one
0: Look, life's too fucking short to be driving a Prius. That's what I. Yeah. Know. Some people, some people want a Prius. I'm not any against them. <laughs> but get yeah. what you want. You work hard. You put in the hours. You know what I mean. Treat yourself to something fucking nice. Yeah. You know, that's not my attitude. I think Ty Lopez says something about that years ago. Uh, what's I can't I think. Was it. Warren Buffett? He, okay. he lives in the same house he bought years ago. He drives the same shitty old car. He doesn't spend much money, and. Uh, I remember Ty saying about, like, what is the point? You reach a certain level where the bills are being paid. You have a roof over your head. Everything's looked after. Why keep on being a miser with money? Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that people go out and blow money, waste money. Absolutely have your investments diversify, you know, build multiple legs to the table with your business. If you just have one leg to the table, it's your social media marketing agency. Facebook disappears. You're left with nothing. Multiple legs Mm -hmm. to the table. When you have all that stuff in place, Go out and buy yourself some stuff that you actually enjoy. Use your money. That's what's there for. It, because you could be dead tomorrow. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, yeah. Right. Let me finish up with a few little questions right cool. yeah. out here because I know we're coming close to the hour. Uh, what is your why? Why did you get into business in the first place? What's what gets you through the darkest days?
1: Yeah, I would. That's a good question. I would say it's. Um. I mean, I I think the main reason that I went off on my own was I just felt like anytime I had a job, I didn't like the idea that I just had to be somewhere like, for instance, I haven't had to like ask for a sick day in like over five years, things like that. Right. It's like, also I'm way, I get sick way less because you're not going into a job. Um, but, but yeah, so I think those small things, I just really, I think I just knew that I was entrepreneurial, even though my parents didn't know anything about it. And it was a big change up in my family. Everyone's an academic. My sister, and my brother, and my parents are all PhDs. So me doing entrepreneurship was like really out there, but I just really wanted to, I felt like I could do it. I felt like I had the drive to do it. And then in terms of like, why on top, I mean, I try not to be too money driven, but the truth is that like, uh, I, you know, back in 2012, I I lost my best friend And then I just remember thinking like, I would love to kind of get away. I just had this like overwhelming sort of, I just want to be free. I want to get away. I want to be able to do whatever I want. That's when the money switch flipped. And that's when I was like, I will never be as rich as I want in a job. Human, like it's complete impossibility, right? Like, you know, you can't, there's always a ceiling to any job you have. And I just really wanted to make my own, not have to be kind of held back by that. Cause like you work really hard at a job, you can show up every day, you can bring a hundred percent and it still doesn't. So I love the idea that like, I have a little bit more control. So for me, I guess it's freedom, control, um, safety, security, and then, you know, being able to, yeah, support my family, my, I don't have any kids either, but like my future, Family in that regard, yeah. um so yeah, I'd say that's my why if that makes sense,
0: yeah, yeah that's awesome, and it's like it's not a lot of people would say that you're you're obsessed with money if you're an entrepreneur or you're in business or you're greedy or things like that, but oftentimes our why as entrepreneurs is to have enough money there so that we can help others it's not completely
1: hundred percent
0: I know for me one of one of the my, my biggest things that breaks my heart is that the thought that I wouldn't be able to help my mother or my sister or my girlfriend or my father, if they were ill or something happened. And if it was something that like, if their life could be that little bit more comfortable, if I could just provide some help financially, you know, that's like one thing with me as well is to be able to help family. I think everybody, part of everybody's why is family.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, they say money doesn't buy you happiness, but like it helps. It, I actually agree that it does in many ways because, you know, I, I, um yeah, you just you you when you don't have it, it sucks. It's definitely unhappy when you don't have it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've I've had shit times. I've been depressed and broke, and I've been depressed with plenty of money. Exactly. And I choose the money. We oh, do. <laughs> And I think like previously, even my mindset shifted from, from way back when, like my family might be similar to yours, as in that there's no real entrepreneurs, very yeah. kind of academic or limited mindset with that. And did you, did you find much resistance trying to break away, trying to break the mold? A ton. Entrepreneur? Did you, did you yeah. find maybe some of your loved ones even held you back? Definitely. You to
1: yeah definitely i mean they didn't mean to exactly but like there was a sense of because it can take a while to kind of get started the sense of like it's too much you know the risk like can you do it what are you gonna do like when they don't really know a lot of the stuff they've not experienced it um it's all
0: out of love. yeah if they're holding you back it's all out of love there's no doubt but they don't have that awareness they don't see it like you see it no
1: now they're super supportive of course when you get to a certain place they're like oh yeah i always knew I always yeah. to be fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really fine. yeah, yeah, but we don't, yeah. we don't hold it against anybody that doesn't see it the way we see it because entrepreneurs in general, we're, we're complicated people. We, we see definitely very different. Like, we always go against the crowd, and that's, that's, what makes, that's what makes a good entrepreneur is the ability to go against what everybody else is doing, oppose the market. Who's yeah. been your biggest inspiration to date in business? business? Yes. Well, wow,
1: let's go with business. Bro. Yeah. Um, in business, I would say, um, well, I, I mean, it's going to sound super cliche and everyone already you know knows, but it, but I would say um, Gary V early on in my career was super key. Kept me so motivated, kept me really on the grind. I think over time I've, I still really value him. And I, I, sometimes I need that extra push, but, I don't need it in the same way. I felt like I needed it at the beginning Um, because you know, you carve out your own way of working and doing things. And I did a lot of the, you know, speaking on stages and the sort of always being in meetings and meeting up with people until like eight o'clock at night. And it's like, it's not really how I want to live my, like I've realized over time, I don't really want to be him in that way. I think it would be too hectic and crazy. And plus I don't really want the fame either. I would much rather kind of, you know, be rich, but not have to worry about any of that extra stuff. But I would say he's been a huge inspiration Um, in terms of like being simple and high profit. Definitely guys like Sam Ovens have been a huge inspiration to me Um, because of just the way they think about their business. And again, the way they really have like underplayed fame, but for the sake of more money or like really choosing money over that and just being like, you know, you can do it. You don't need to be like, everywhere. You can totally crush it. So him as well. And then I think, um, you know, in my space, in the brand space, I'm, I'm, I'm actually being exposed to a ton of new mentors, you know, guys like, uh, Don Miller and Marty Newmeyer, and, um, uh, yeah, like just guys who are very into brand building and, and messaging. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning some new, new people and it's been really nice.
0: That's important in order for us to grow. We need that external input from people who are not necessarily even above us, but just different information, different perspectives. I find that's the best thing personally for me. If, I, if I've hit a ceiling or a wall in business, I'll go out and chat with a mate. He could be in a completely different industry. yeah. But their perspective, and sometimes it's just turns a switch in your mind and you instantly know what you need to do because if you don't do that if you don't reach out to people it's not that you're asking for help but we we need to Mm -hmm. ask for help we need to seek new information if we don't do that i've experienced it in my life where it's been months even years in some cases where i could not see my next move i could not visualize it one conversation boom you know exactly where you're at conversations like this, maybe somebody watching this will hear one little thing that we said today. They were like, boom, that's what I need to do. It's after setting that switch in their head. What yeah. age are you now, Luca?
1: Say that, say that again.
0: What age What age are you?
1: I'm 32. 32. I'm 31. Yeah. So it's okay.
0: February, it's February, 2022 at the time recording this. So you're 32. Yeah. So knowing what you know now, <laughs> what advice would you give to 20 year olds? lucro yeah 20 year old Luca was thinking you know i want to be an entrepreneur wait where what like what age were you when you first got into it
1: i got into it when i was i would say i was about 24 25 maybe 25 that's kind of late it is yeah
0: i even thought about it as well
1: yeah and, and I try not to compare myself to the younger guys that are out there in that regard. Cause like some of them, you know, they're either further ahead or they started younger, but everyone's on their own path. Um, I mean, again, the look I mean, Gary V was an entrepreneur for a really long time, but he'll be the first to say he didn't put a piece of content on the internet until he was like 34 or 31, 34. Like, yeah. So now he's
0: 42.
1: Yeah. Um, we're like 43. Um, yeah. I think that I would say to myself, like, Um, I guess to trust the process a little bit more, but that's, I mean, of course, when you look back, it always feels that way. Um, and to, yeah, I would say just kind of reassure myself. I, that time in my life, I was super anxious, no idea what I wanted to do. Really. I was just kind of all over the place. So I would just, I guess, tell myself to just keep, keep following your heart and, um, you know, be nothing to be nothing to be too overly worried about which is hard obviously for a younger person to really take in because when you're in your 20s it's very uh you can feel like oh why don't I have all this stuff now or why don't I have exact you know why didn't I figured it all out but of course you wouldn't be able to figure it all out it's like you haven't been around that long
0: (laughs) it's major it's it's major life experience between the age of say 25 up to 30 yeah like it's how you look it's crazy but look, we're still young. We still have a lot to learn. And yep. in the moment when you're going through shit, it can be very hard to deal with it. That that ability to be able to, like you know, so many people are standing so close to the tree, they can't see the forest. To be the ability to to be able to act, not react to whatever mm-hmm. situation, circumstance, whatever the fuck happens. That is definitely one of the qualities of a distinguished entrepreneur. And for me personally, like my main focus is developing. Myself, eighty yes. percent of the time, and then my business interests, twenty percent of the time. Developing those characteristics, those qualities of a distinguished entrepreneur, emotional mastery, self mastery. I think awareness is the first step to all personal change. Yeah, because if you don't know where the fuck you're going wrong, you're not going to be able to change it.
1: I completely agree.
0: Probably, probably the second biggest factor is realizing what elements in your physical environment are impacting your 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 emotional environment. Yes. Uh, like I think anxiety, depression, it's everywhere today. Um, but I, I think especially for entrepreneurs, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. It's so easy to compare yourself to people who are fucking 13 and making 10 million a year. I know. You know? It's, crazy. <laughs> it's so
1: true. I know, dude. It's so true.
0: And it can be so easy to beat yourself up over that stuff. I've, I've had times, bad anxiety, bad depression, real dark days. And yeah. I, I think everybody has. And that's one of the things I want to get across in, as part of the Distinguished Entrepreneur podcast is to realize that the shit you see on Instagram, these entrepreneurs who are, who are doing great and all the cool stuff. No doubt they've got the cool stuff, but I want to hear the backstory, like mm-hmm. the dark days, the real shit, because everybody everybody has that stuff. There's no way, there's nobody out there who's just sailing through life. And nope. Think- Rosie and fucking
1: jim you know Um, i know we think that exactly we've convinced ourselves that there is which is why i try not to do that with anybody i try not to get in that headspace like obviously i do get jealous of course but i try never to equate their success to easiness or to like they had this more than me or they had this better it's like you know i try to just flip it on its script and say you know if anything there's room for everybody that's, I I try to play that narrative more. There's room for their success. And even in my bio, you know, I don't know if you still do a morning bio, but I tried to read a little bit about myself, you know, and my goals in the morning. Yeah. And it says that like, you know, uh, there's room for their, everyone's success, including yours.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's, it's, you got to keep that focus on you and not, not, not on everybody else. Um, affirmations, journaling, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. You big into it,
1: big into it. yeah. Yeah. Even me and my, my partner, fiance, wife, person, (laughs) uh, we, we journal, she, she's really into it. And I was always into it as well, but being with her has reinvigorated my love of just, you know, putting some stuff down, making sure I'm doing that in the morning, you know, making sure I'm meditating, praying, whatever needs to be just because, you know, one thing that I've, and you've probably learned this from guys like Sam too, Sam ovens is that like, we forget what we need to do. And we, 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 it's, it's how quickly we forget like where we're going, what we need to do, why we're doing it. And so if you don't touch base with that on a regular basis, you'll forget basically. So finding, yeah, doing that writing, doing that touch base with yourself. Why am I in this? What am I trying to do every day?
0: Yeah and it's, it's it's repetitive you've got to keep re- really drilling home what it is that you want your goals how you want to feel about yourself because if you don't fill your brain with that good positive information toxic shit's
1: going to fill that up 100% and then yeah.
0: your self esteem's going to dip and then your productivity and your focus is going to dip so simple things like a little bit of meditation in the morning 5 minutes to write down your goals so positive affirmations can have a quantum leap effect on your results it's it's unbelievable Yeah. yeah. I only seen diet. He's from,
1: I know he's from Toronto. Yep.
0: Yeah. What age? He was like 86.
1: Something like that.
0: That's sad. That was the first book I ever read. It was gifted to me by a friend when I was like 25. Uh, you were born rich. Have you ever read it?
1: Uh, no, but I love his meditation. He has this like 20 minute meditation on YouTube. That's so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everything Bob done is just magical. It's actually, it is. I got this book, book as a result of reading his one. The, uh, Laws of Success, Napoleon Hill. This is the one that came out before Think More Rich. Riches, like the, the unsexy version of it. It's his big tick book. But uh, Bob has, I think Bob has impacted the majority of people that are in the, the business game or the, the entrepreneurial game in the past 10, 20 years or so. with yeah. It's results program and things like that. So that was sad to see. Luca, I'm going to finish up with one last question. Um, yes. So uh, the last question I asked you was, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Bit of a twist on this one. So let's fast forward. You're 32 now. 42-year-old Luca. What do you think 42-year-old Luca would say to you today about whatever's going on in your head, whatever plans that you're making, whatever business ventures that you're, you're thinking through in your mind or struggles that you're dealing with? What, what advice do you think 42-year-old Luca would give, give you today?
1: Honestly, maybe keep believing and uh, stay present because I think, you know, if, if when 42 comes and if I do have the things that I want, I'm more like by that point, you know, I'll be like, yeah, you should have just kept believing. And, um, the staying present thing, because all we have is the moment, which is what causes that kind of disconnect, I guess. And to, if you don't keep working on that, it's like, even if I do have, you know, 20, 30 million or whatever it is. And I'm doing all this really awesome stuff. And I've, you know, bought my property and all these things. And like, you'll still have moments where you're just you're by yourself or doing your thing. And you've got to find a way to um, enjoy. So I think I would tell myself that.
0: You mentioned there a couple of minutes back, Luke, that you lost your best friend in 2000. And- uh, 12. 2012. So coming
1: up on 10 years, I guess.
0: Jesus. Right. I lost my, my closest friend in 2019, October, 2019. Mm -hmm. For me, that was a, that was a pivotal point in my life where I realized life is so precious. It's so short. Just don't know what's going to happen. Do you think experiencing that your close friend passing away changes your mindset on your priorities in life and your values? Yeah,
1: it did. I, I think it changed so many things for me. Um, I think it yeah, it changed everything, you know? And I, I, this, I, I think that it gave me, he was very entrepreneurial. Um, he actually had a business just starting in his first year and I was kind of helping out on the side and I had no, basically no experience in it. So I was just kind of helping him out. And he was one of the first people I knew who was like, yo, I'm, I'm going for these goals. Like he was up at night, he was working on his stuff. And, um, I had never really I had never really taken myself that seriously. Like I was making films and I was being creative, but I truly didn't believe that it was a lot of the things were possible for me. And then after that, I, I did really have a switch for sure. That was like, I'm going for it. I'm going for the stuff I want. I probably wasn't even conscious of it as conscious of as I am now, but like, I guess, you know, I didn't want, I had this feeling like, you know, I, I guess there's like, an I'm going to make you proud kind of thing. And I know that he'd be super proud of where I'm at, um, and I just I don't know if I would have had that for sure if that hadn't happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. If only if only he could see it now. I'm sure he's looking down on you, very proud. You know,
1: appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how how much it plays games with your mind when something like that happens. But it's you know there's there's always there's always a positive even in the darkest of times. In the dark, definitely.
1: You think you'll never recover. You know, you have the you know those moments where you're like, yo, I'm never gonna. Have, basically get over this or like i'm never gonna i'm never gonna feel better um but that's never true i think it's like you you find new ways to be and different the new things happen of course it changes up what you think will happen you know you think you know this person they're gonna be at my wedding we're gonna be friends forever all these things then that's all taken away and it can be very it's very emotionally intense but the more you have those experiences and and you kind of get rocked, the more you think like, okay, cool. No, actually I can rebuild a new track. I can have, you know, you replace the dreams with other things and move towards those.
0: Yeah. It makes us stronger. It makes us stronger in a way. It's, it's, it's very similar in business. We experience all these failures, but the the important thing is not to focus on the failure. Failure is not a destination Mm -hmm. and same in life. We lose friends. We lose loved ones. We fuck up. We make mistakes. But if we have the right mindset and we keep on pushing through, we are going to be able to overcome these things. We are going to be able to strengthen in character and see new perspectives and come out to better than ever. Look, look, I'm going to leave it at that. It's been an amazing chat today. How can people find you? What's the business... Socials websites. How can they?
1: Share? Yeah. Um. So the if you're looking for like some video stuff, MondayMedia.ca. If you're looking for uh, some brand stuff, I don't know. Maybe tag my YouTube in this or my Facebook, and you can just message me. Yeah, I'll put it all. Yeah. in Below. Let me actually even show you. It's really really short. I'll show you the um. Uh. It's the the ad that I launched. It's 14 seconds. Uno secondo. Boom, 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 boom. Can you see it?
0: Yep, let's do it. Okay,
1: great. That's it.
0: So, what was your shot three for them?
1: Um, so yeah, we did, uh, basically story for that, um, kind of did a brand workshop just to help them kind of understand like what, how to sort of be positioned. And then, um, one of our DP directors, they shot it and then we edited it. We, all that stuff.
0: Awesome. And For anybody that is interested in speaking with Luca, I would highly recommend it. Just his input on brand positioning. Uh, your message, telling a story, and how to tell a story through through the content that you're putting out has just been. It's it, Luca's been a massive help to us with SPM over the years, and he's still doing work with us to this day since we first met back in. I think it was 2016, but yeah,
1: thinking. definitely, yeah,
0: in a while now. But look, guys, that's where to check Luca out. You'll find the links below to all his socials and websites and stuff like that underneath. Thanks, dude.
1: Uh,
0: make sure to check him out. And Luca, look, thanks so much for the chat today. It's been awesome, awesome,
1: you too. inspirational too. You too. We'll uh oh, let's yeah. We'll chat soon. I'm sure.
0: All right. Take care. See you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye.